You already know that Illegal Pete's makes delicious, mission-style Mexican food. But did you know that Illegal Pete's uses its marketing funds to support Colorado creative talent that we love? We support the Denver Diatribe Podcast, the Grolix Comedy Showcase, Rocky Mountain Roller Girls, the Yellow Designs BMX Stunt Team, Apex Movement Parkour Team, the Underground Music Showcase, and more. We even have our own record label, The Greater Than Collective, with albums by The Epilogues, Snake Rattle Rattlesnake, Esme Patterson, Ian Cook, and comedian Ben Roy. And a starving artist program that feeds out-of-town bands traveling in Colorado for free. Illegal Pete's. We're more than just a restaurant. So, let us put our food... And music... And comedy... And sports... Inside you. Please. Please. Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, capital of the fifth gaseous state in the U.S. of A. I'm Vanessa. <laughs> Joining me today are co-host Joel Warner. Hello. Morning, Joel. Hi. Uh, Ron Doyle. Howdy, Ron. Hi, Vanessa. Uh, uh, yet another co-host and our sound engineer for today, uh, Josh Johnson, who doesn't have a microphone. Hi. <laughs> And our guest this week from 5280 Magazine, Chris Outcall. Welcome, Chris. This week, we'll be looking at a few issues creeping up on metro area residents, including a Walmart in Boulder, creationism, and yet more abortion bills at the state capitol, and our main topic today, fracking, and what you need to know about Colorado's natural gas boom. So we've got a full house this morning, fellas. Yeah. It's nice. Happy stuff. Yeah. Positive things to talk about. Hi, we're we're almost all here. Almost. We, we, we just don't have Jared. Otherwise, the rest of us are here. Hi, Joel. It's Hi, nice Ron. to see you, Joel. Yes, you, have a, you have a new baby. How's I your do. new baby? My new baby's doing great. Good. And I, have, and I have a new beard since the last time I yeah, saw you, Yeah, I was too. saying I like Ron's beard. It's kind of like the uh, European soccer player uh, uh, crashed on the mountainside for the movie Alive type <laughs> right. beard. It is. And it's, it's nice. I can see some icicles across hanging off and you're getting ready to eat one of your other soccer players. With the beard on, <laughs> like that. I like it. It's a, it's a compliment. I, I'll, I'll take it as much. Okay. I got, I got uh, apparently I was called Hottie McMarriedson by some, some girls at uh, City of City the other night. Oh. Uh, after I left, I was gone, and I, I, got, I was told this afterwards. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That, did that make your, your year? 2013. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, wow. it was good. I mean, that's not <laughs> the nickname Mrs. McMarriedson has for me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, the, the power of the uh, wedding ring. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, oh. it would have been like douchey McLoser ten. <laughs> so, Otherwise, anyway, you would I'm have been sorry. the guy who eats who eats people, yeah. the cannibal. Yeah. Um, hey, so Chris, this is your diatribe debut. Yes. And yes. and you've got a lot of um, you know, we tend to talk over each other, so definitely. Okay. I'll butt just, in here. I'll just but I'll just jump right in. Um. Well, because you haven't been on the show before, uh, let's talk a little bit. You're assistant editor at Fifty Two Eighty. Yes, assistant editor. And how long have you been there? About a year and a half now. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. So why Coming up in a year and a half. Nice. Yeah. Um, and how long have you been in Denver? Gosh, I've been in Denver about five years now. Moved from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to take us through the 5280 fracking package. I will try. But what, <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you usually cover as a journalist or what have you, like, you know, do you have some, some themes, some issues that you, that you move toward? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I co-edit the, the, our front of the book 
uh, sec sections, our front range and scene sections in the magazine. So it's kind of a it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's business, it's culture, it's arts, it's sports, it's city stuff, news, politics. Um, yeah, everything. A little bit. Of, yeah, yeah, everything. Why not just cover everything? Why not? Why not? Well. So we're going to cover a lot of ground with you later. Uh, let's get to our first newsy bit, which is uh, Walmart has officially announced uh, what scores of Boulderites have been fearing for many months. The evil empire is indeed planning to open a store in the People's Republic, sacred ground of American liberals. The megastore forecasts the opening of what it calls a neighborhood market for this fall in the Diagonal Plaza at the southeast corner of 28th Street and Iris Avenue. Um, it's one of the largest and loneliest shopping centers in a city filled with shopping it's centers. It's a sad, sad shopping center. I used to live right across the street from there, and it's a sad place. I currently live across the street. Well, right, yeah. pretty much across the street. Yeah, I was in, I was in Aspen Grove right on, right on 28th and Iris. So they're going to move into the Albertsons. So they're opening up a grocery store. Not the, they're doing their neighborhood store, not the full-blown full blown Walmart. No. Um, I, I mean, city zoning laws would not permit a, a superstore of that size, and Boulder has actually kept out many big boxes in the past because their uh, limit for square footage is 75,000 square feet, which happens to be the size of the Safeway that is across the street. The neighborhood oh, it's, market— it's safe, it's safe. They're doing the Safeway, not the Albertsons. I'm, I'm vaguely yeah. remembering—I'm trying to, like— clear out the cobwebs of when I lived in Boulder. There's a 24-hour fitness there right now. There's a DMV office. There yes. is a, a pretty decent little Mexican place that Josh and I ate at. Uh, and Europa, and Europa University, or their, or their second, their their, second their campus. Their satellite campus is up there, too. And yeah. surely all the Europa students are going to be very excited to go to Walgreens <laughs> during their break. Walmart. Walgreens Walmart, is sorry, actually Walgreens, very yeah, close by. Yeah. Walgreens is very close by, however. Well, there's so one of the opposition groups, Citizens United to Preserve Boulder, gotta love that name, <laughs> <laughs> has rallied uh, a whopping 477 uh, signatures on its Don't Big Box Boulder petition, um, which is focused mainly on congestion, traffic, pedestrian friendliness, and what they call acres of parking. Um, which th currently there are acres of parking. There. There's nobody it's who parks there. there because people who go to 24-hour fitness usually, well, it, it just, it's, it's filled. There's plenty of parking there. Let's there just say that. There is parking there. And uh, Occupy Boulder, however, has also come out um, with some opposition to this store. And theirs is mostly based on the business practices. So they're really looking at, you know, what has made Walmart such a wretched institution in, in many people's minds. Uh, in the first place, so you've got these two opposition groups that are kind of coming at it from different angles. And there's something inside me, as much as I despise Walmart, that really, really wants to see this store go in. I uh, do, too. You know, <laughs> so first of all, I have to give Walmart a little bit of credit because I, I hate Walmart, too. I'm not a fan. I never go. It, it feels just like a filthy experience for me. <laughs> but I broke a water line on my toilet. I needed to go buy it, and I needed some deodorant, and Walmart was the only place open that when this happened, so I went, and I was in and out of the store in five minutes because it was well-marked, it was easy to get around. I was like the greatest Walmart experience of my life. So there's that. There's also the fact, uh, do you remember when we had Christy Milligan uh, from Colorado Springs? She came on. She, she's uh, the president of this very... Uh, this civil rights organization down there. And she was, she was saying, you know, I went back to Colorado Springs because I feel like I need to be there to represent, to create some balance in, in this very right-leaning city. I feel the exact same way about Boulder. I think Boulder needs this sort of uh, different uh, store to be there to, 
to make them think about what their ideals are, and also so they can, they can actively challenge Walmart. Challenging Walmart, saying you hate Walmart when you don't have a Walmart in your city is it's false. It's, it's, uh, not, you, you're not, you, it's easy to be a monk in a monastery. So if they actually have a Walmart there and then they protest the Walmart every day, then Boulder can prove that they are legit. As right now, them opposing Walmart is bogus. Yeah, I think it's good for them to kind of create these discussions. I think of these two different groups, it seems like Occupy Boulder has the more valid line of argument because the other one just sounds like typical nimbyism. Like, we don't want this store here because we don't like it. But, you know, to bring up, uh, you know, the workforce issues, those issues, that's great. So, yes, so use this opportunity to really kind of once again drill down into what's the real problem with Walmart as opposed to just it being kind of cool to say that you hate Walmart. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's great that that they now have this opportunity to really kind of drill into that. Mm-hmm. Is anyone going to actually go? I mean, say, say it opens. Are, are people going to go? It seems like that's more the barometer of, of Walmart and Boulder. If it, uh, if it opens, does, I would do say people shop? Absolutely. Or do Students are going to be going to Walmart because they could care less. Uh, I mean, they have their ideals, but when it comes down to it, they're going to go shopping for the thing that's really cheap. Well, and Chris, you hit on exactly why I want to see Walmart open in Boulder, because everybody who has been so vocally opposed to this seems to believe that nobody in Boulder will shop there, but why not let the market play it out? Exactly. Let's see Mm -hmm. what Boulder really wants. This isn't a community, after all, that is totally impoverished and absolutely needs to have it. People aren't going to be driving in from outside to shop there. However, a lot of us drive outside of Boulder to shop elsewhere, such as a comment was left on the camera site, the daily camera site, saying, uh, people will still liberal or labor conscious Boulderites will continue to drive to Costco and Superior, and it's like you know <laughs> why don't we if if Boulderites want to shop at Costco why is there this arbitrary seventy five thousand foot square foot uh, square foot limit on the zoning why isn't there that that would totally hinder Costco from ever coming into Boulder. So we don't get to have a Costco in Boulder. We have to drive to Superior for it. Right. Walmart creates these these neighborhood markets. at. This one is actually 52,000 square feet. That's what the, the plans say. So it's going to be smaller than the Safeway, which, by the way, I go to the Safeway because it's across the street from my house and it's convenient, but it sucks. So if this neighborhood market does indeed sell more local produce and organic produce and has a better produce offering, I'll probably go there. And I haven't shopped at Walmart I, I even can't with remember all the labor, the last I mean, time. even with all of the valid, la- I mean, th- there I are know. valid labor absolutely. concerns. I, I absolutely mean, agree with you, but that doesn't mean that Safeway has never had them. The that's one true. thing that's different is Safeway does allow, Safeway has unions. Safeway, yeah. has, Safeway workers can unionize. So that is a big issue for me. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm kind yeah. of playing devil's advocate with this. I don't know that I'll go there, but I might. Are the labor concerns legit in Boulder, though? I would say those labor concerns are legitimate in a small rural town, but in a large city of Boulder where they, where, People have options in terms of employment. I don't, I don't know if those labor uh, issues are as relevant in that city. Also, I do think Walmart will respond to Boulder as a city and its ideals and adjust accordingly. They're pretty good about that. They became the world's largest supplier of organic milk because they decided to do it. They completely eliminated, eliminated uh, re- recombinant bovine growth hormone from the market. Uh, dairy farmers don't use it anymore because Walmart said we're not going to put it in any of our milk. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I th- and if I they think don't respond, be better for everybody. If they don't, if yeah. they don't respond and people don't shop there, then it will go away. And then it'll disappear. Exactly. It'll go out of business. Yeah. 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 So. All right. So let's move on. I to can't our... believe I just went yay Walmart. I have been doing it, and it's been so scary <laughs> because it's such a knee-jerk <laughs> thing, and it's like I would say if any other community, like Denver. I mean, Denver just 
rejected Walmart at Ninth and yeah. Colorado. Yes, they did. And, and that, I was happy about that. Me too. But in Boulder, it's just like, God, I just want to see it so bad. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Burn, so, baby, burn. Uh, on you have to our... whisper it. <laughs> They'll write a folk song about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> that would be great. It'll be a vigil. Um, <laughs> so, on to our next happy topic. This week uh, brings the 40th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court decision legalizing abortion. Here in Colorado, two state Republicans have introduced legislation that would attempt to either overturn or limit that right. One bill has been filed to straight up make abortion illegal. Another would ban abortions based on uh, dissatisfaction with the presumed gender of the fetus. So if you want a girl and you find out you're having a boy, um, you can't, that's not a valid uh, reason to, to have an abortion. So says this Republican legislator who has introduced the bill. But I'm really, my thing here is I'm kind of having a difficult time really uh, understanding where that line of reasoning is coming from in this country. I know we obviously have heard in other cultures that there is a major problem with, you know, uh, aborted females, for example. Right. Um, but really, I mean, is this, am I, I, I think I pay attention to these issues a lot. I think I read a lot about this. I think I talk to enough friends and, and have enough experience, but maybe not. Uh, what, is this, have you guys, is, does this seem to be a concern to anybody? Have you guys, you know... Are there too many so, abortions in Colorado based on uh, the gender ooh, of the fetus? I just, I bought all these pink clothes. I was expecting a girl. I guess I better get rid of the child. No, I don't think that happens at all. I don't, I don't think this happens. I, I really don't. I mean, does anybody, I, that's, that's just me. I really, I don't have any empirical evidence to prove this. This is entirely right. me theorizing here. Does anyone else think this is going on? I mean, I wouldn't think so, but, but I don't have that evidence either, but it, it just doesn't seem like that would be the case. I mean, I just wonder if this is the best use of our time, but maybe. Maybe I could be wrong. I don't know. That, yes, Chris, that is, that's, that's the larger issue with these bills, right? And in fact, our state, uh, our new state house speaker, uh, Mark Ferrandino, has, has come out and said, you know, did, did the GOP not learn lessons from the last election that we clearly have made statements that we don't want to see this kind of legislation? Now, okay, and I'm going to play a bit of a devil's advocate here. I'm not saying that I agree with anything these people are saying at all. But actually, I think in one of of the articles, um, one of the legislators made a good point. He said, hey, I'm a conservative. I'm from a conservative district. This is basically what I ran on. I was elected. You know, I'm I'm still going to put this bill forward. In some ways, it almost makes more sense. You know, since he doesn't have anything to lose. I mean, he knows it's not going to go forward, so he's just going to kind of, kind of w- walk the talk. I mean, I so mean, so it's politics. Know, yeah, I mean, be the same thing. Let's say, let's say all of a sudden we had a super conservative, um, you know, state legislature. Should should some liberal not be putting forward the liberal bills that the that this person wants to see, that even though they know it's one. yeah. You know, I mean, just just put it out there. Say, hey, this is this is what I stand for. I'm going to put this out there. Even if it doesn't pass, just come what may, you know? I mean, so why shouldn't they at least put it out there? Sure, that's a, that's a good point. I think, I, I think it's going to be uh, really what we have to see is how much time is wasted on it. Because we know in general, or w- at least we think we do, that, that not many other communities probably uh, or other elected officials ran on that kind of platform. Yeah. Specifically the gender-based one. And the other one is not even worth talking about. What, almost. It's like you want to overturn Roe versus Wade in your state legislature? <laughs> that's really interesting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a full out ban okay 
but the, that's not the only, those aren't the only two pieces of um, morality legislation that we've seen so far this session. Um, another entirely Republican-supported bill aims to create um, uh, what are called Academic Freedom Acts for both um, kindergarten through 12th uh, grade public schools as well as institutions of higher education in Colorado. Now, okay, so let's go. Academic Freedom Acts thing doesn't sound so bad, right? Sounds kind of like, okay, academic freedom, yeah. Who's not going to get behind that? But it's not so great if you believe that creationism and climate change denial should be part of science curricula. According to the National Center for Science Education, which opposes those teachings, these types of bills tacitly license and encourage teachers to miseducate students about evolution, whether by teaching creationism as a scientifically credible alternative or merely by misrepresenting evolution as scientifically controversial. So I'm going to pitch a question first to uh, uh, Ron and, and Joel, because you have children in, in school, and ask you, does creationism, do creationism and climate change denial science have any place in science curricula? Would you see any purpose for your children learning about uh, them? Not, well... At the elementary level, everything's so integrated, and there's so much crossover. They don't have a science classroom where they're going to specifically for science study. Uh, also, the level of learning that they're getting is way below anything where they're discussing evolution or creationism. I don't think creationism should be banned from schools. Uh, I, I think it's fine if it's being taught in the context of theology or philosophy. I think that's perfectly okay. My daughter goes to a school where most of the students are uh, are Muslim uh, or Jewish or, you know. So there are lots of different beliefs running around at that school. And I think it would be all right that they bounce around those ideas and share with one another. In the context of science, no, I don't think it's okay. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the fact that if there was any scientific support to be putting out these arguments, great. But there is none. I mean, that's the thing. The idea of the U.S. Um, which, is, which is education system is based on fact, is based on, you know, scientific finding. And this is just not there. But yes, I mean, it's, you know, at these higher levels, it very well can be discussed as, you know, at, you know in terms of different, uh, different philosophies, you know, in politics, discussion points. But to muddle the science with it, it's just, you know, we, we have enough problems in our public schools around here before trying to add stuff like this into it. Yeah, let's make, let's make sure the kids can actually read at their grade level before we start telling them how the world was created. Let's, let's, get, there, <laughs> let's get there first. But, yeah, um, hmm. I think it would be very difficult to teach the scientific method, which is really all the, that is the primary objective of science learning uh, in elementary and secondary education, public education, is to learn the scientific method of of studying the world, that you go out, you gather data, you use it uh, in an empirical way to make a decision about a particular hypothesis. If they want to pose it as a hypothesis, uh, fine. But uh, it's going to be very hard for them to teach those fundamentals while saying, well, this one thing, we have no empirical evidence, but we're going to teach it anyway because... Be because we have to. Because right. we have to. Because a politician because we said to. we had to. Right. Right. And the, I, th I think, well, Chris, first of all, do you have any... Uh, well, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think the trap here is when this, this gets into the sort of scientific discussion. Um, certainly, there, there's an argument to be made to, to have that in a separate category, but, but I think if you're going to be forced to teach this in science class, um, 
Yeah, I think. I mean, I think maybe that's that's troublesome. Sure. And if if they're going to do creationism, I think that if they if they must teach that one, they must also teach all the creation myths uh, that are out there. They, we need to be teaching Hindu creationism. We need to be teaching Norse creationism. We Spaghe- need to be teaching Native uh, American spaghetti need, monster. Oh yeah, spaghetti monster. We need to be teaching string theory. We got to get them all out there. If if that's what we're going to do, then Scientology. Fine. Let's, what let's are do the, it. The I don't think I know this. Yeah, the, right, the Thetans. Is, is that what they're called? <laughs> uh, the, wait, no, no it's the, the Thetans. Wait, were dropped into the volcanoes, right? And then the hydrogen bomb blew them up, right? Is that, is so this? how do they get from that to where they're giving you the little stress test? I can't. Um, no, because you have thetans in your body. Or, I, you know, I haven't been to, the, to my regular uh, visit to the Celebrity Center in a while, so oh, I need sorry. to update my... Okay, those are like the special levels. things that give you the force in Star Wars, right? Yes, yes. So, yeah, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, okay. Uh, all right, all right. So I, I think, all of them. We got to teach them all. The I mean, force. There's another one. I think you guys have. I, I have. I, I kind of knew what I, I predicted. What what you would. What your reaction and your response to that would be, which I agree with. Um, I think the thing for me that warrants discussion here is the fact that it seems this language is so. Um, it's it's so nebul- It's so positive sounding. Academic freedom acts. You know how. So I, I think. The challenge to this could come, although we've got a democratic legislature right now, so I, maybe it's it's off it's off the table for for that reason. But the challenge could come in the fact that it's going to be difficult to explain exactly what this thing is, and to get people to pay attention to uh, what the consequences would be, as opposed to because th- these arguments would, I imagine, come out on the pro side. Well, why shouldn't we be teaching this? Why it's not going to hurt if if it's just you know another option. It right. wouldn't necessarily be hurting our kids. Why shouldn't they learn about creation myths? So, I don't know. That, that, that's, that's kind of my They should my have dread. creationist club. There's science club. Let's have creationist club. Oh. Then, then, then they, they can join with the Dungeons and Dragons club and just have a little Yeah. I think that's called Catholic school. I went to Catholic <laughs> school. <laughs> All right. I went to Catholic school, and it yeah, sounds yeah, kind of yeah. like that, yeah. creation club. Uh, <laughs> so that's it for the newsy bits. Listeners, tell us what you think about this week's headlines. Share something for us to talk about next week or rant about anything Denver-related in the comments at denverdiatribe.com, on Facebook or Twitter at Denver Diatribe, or by voice message at 720-282-YELL. All right, guys. So let's, uh, because we're talking about such a very large booming issue right now. Um, We're going to dedicate the rest of this show uh, in two parts to fracking. Um, In the December issue of 5280 Magazine, readers were treated to a very informative and visually striking package of features about hydraulic fracturing, and that is why we have invited uh, Chris here with us today to talk about it. Chris, you worked on this package with uh, your colleague Julie uh, Dugdale, and um, she's not with us today, so we're gonna we're gonna just uh, go through some of the basics and kind of hover at an overview um, as much as we can because there's so much detail here, and we will provide listeners um, in our uh, blog post as usual with links to the 5280 package and uh, potentially some more sources as well. But Chris, let's just start for people who have been um, not paying attention to any news whatsoever, maybe, or maybe not having conversations about energy anywhere. Uh, what Can you tell us what fracking is? Well, I mean, we got started, Julie and I got started on this. It was sort of a, you know, it's one of those words that you hear. It just seemed to become one of those words that you hear. It's it's over a beer. It's at a conversation, you know, wherever. And But does anyone really know what it means, or does anyone have enough in their arsenal to, to talk about it? I didn't when I when I had first heard of this. 
Um, so, that, I mean, that's how we kind of got started on this thing, Julie and I. Um, fracking is literally, so you said hydraulic fracturing. Um, it's a, we've got oil, gas locked deep underneath the ground, uh, dense rock formations. And fracking simply is, is uh, shooting sort of this cocktail of water, sand, chemicals um, at high pressure into the ground. It, it breaks up the rocks. Um, the sand in that, in that cocktail props open those fractures, those cracks, those fissures. Uh, and then everything seeps out of it, the, the oil, the gas, whatever it may be. So um, for a long time, this is a process that was first tried in uh, 1947, I think it was. Um, and it's been evolving ever since. One of the recent developments sort of in the last decade um, that's made this kind of uh, you just more talked about, more used, more um, sort of more important is, is drilling techniques have evolved too. So we've got horizontal drilling now. Um, you can drill into the ground, hang a right, drill through these long, narrow rock formations that they're fracking and get access to a lot of it and then frack those. So it, it's kind of been a combination of these two. And, and, and when we started thinking about it, fracking, it sort of meant this. It sort of didn't mean this to a lot of people. So, so let's try and just figure out what information people might need on sort of a 101 level to then sit down and have another conversation about it. Um, so that's how, sort of how we got started. Um, mm-hmm. How did you, uh, how, I mean, you, you dedicate a, a good bit of space to it with this package, and um, I'm, I'm wondering why you decided, I mean, obviously 5280 has readership across the state, but Denver in particular, why would urban dwellers, I mean, it's not like uh, there's going to be a big rig that comes and pops up right here on the 16th Street Mall, so why would urban dwellers, why do we feel, why should we feel compelled to? to follow. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to drive far to see it. Right. I mean, no, it's not going to end up in your backyard in, in Cheeseman park, but you you don't have to go far to Fort Collins. You don't have to go far to Longmont, to Boulder, to see these, these rigs on the side of the, you know, the side of the highway. And I think it's, I think it's in people's minds for that reason. Um, it's sort of visually a part, visually a part of the front range. Um, again, not, not specifically urban, but, very much a, a part of this this front range um and just the fact that you can i just think the fact that you see it is is what's on people's mind um what is that i can see it but i don't know what that is um that's another reason that that i think it's in our magazine and there's just mm-hmm. a lot of accusations flying back and forth from these extremes you know mm-hmm. so it's like yes and you need to listen to all of these conversations but it's also good to have the basic kind of scientific it, it does truth. seem like the most folks in Colorado have the term, but they do not have the definition to go along with it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was very handy. It's a pretty sexy package too. There's a lot of there's a lot of artwork that goes on that makes it a lot easier to understand. Um, I thought I understood it because I have some friends in the oil and gas industry. I had no clue what was going on. I was really uneducated, and the 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 article did do a good job of helping me understand exactly what was going on. So yeah. it was useful in that respect. Yeah, the visuals, I think especially with energy issues, I remember covering uh, there was a, um, a potential for um, plutonium um, mining in, um, in Fort Collins, north of Fort Collins, and the visual, we had to do it visually. Mm-hmm. You can't really, I mean, explaining it any other way is, is kind of, uh, you know, you, you're, you quickly get caught up in, in the jargon and the, the terms and that, you, that you don't understand, and it's really it's, it's something that you have to see. Well, it's an intimidating word. I mean, just, just that word fracking, it, it sort of sounds intimidating. The fact that it's thrown around so much is intimidating. 
and and being able to present it hopefully in a visual way I, I mean I think that that's a tool that we can use to be inviting to our readers Dave, Dave McKenna our art director who did this yeah I think he did I think he did a great job but you but you didn't bring up Battlestar Galactica right? yeah we were just talking right. before the before we started the podcast how this uh, it's it's so compelling because it's a it's a uh, sci-fi curse word <laughs> somehow that didn't make the cut <laughs> why not <laughs> <laughs> you could do an an, uh, an online special. There. Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about just uh, uh, again some of the major. What what makes this such a controversial topic? Well, so certainly the the you had mentioned the the urban aspect, the proximity with which it happens. Um, if it's something that's we were talking about Nibbianism earlier with Walmart. If it's something that happens in your backyard um, in Longmont in Boulder. Um, that that's controversial. If you're seeing uh, these drill rigs, it's a lot of heavy machinery. It's a lot of equipment taking these things to and from sites. Sometimes it's on local roads, small town roads. Um, I mean, I think that that's one of the big things that that sort of immediately makes this controversial is that that it has an impact on people that live near this activity. It has a has a very tangible impact on their lives just being near it. Um, well, I think he, so. Here's here's another question along those lines. Um, I, th- I think some people who have seen or heard a little bit more about fracking have seen the uh, whether it's from the Gasland documentary uh, I- images or they've they've heard on they saw on Nine News. I don't know how many years ago it was the Fort Lupton water catching on fire. Oh, that's right. So, uh, or Chris, the McDreamy Matt uh, Matt Damon film. Yes. Of qu- yes. yes. Everybody's fracking see, if, goes to if, Hollywood. Yes. If it was just Matt Damon coming in what and fracking this? everything, yeah. then everything would be what fine. We would Can we just get it. Matt Damon in our backyard <laughs> <laughs> instead of fracking? Because yeah. <laughs> that would be that'd be sweet. I, I don't know this like, film at all. Like, all right, I'm gonna have to Google it. Later. Like a week or two ago, I think it came yeah. out. Yeah, Promise Land. Yeah. Oh, he plays okay. like the um, the sort of oilman that comes to sell fracking to a small town. Oh, monorail. And I have a guess on what happens to him in the movie. Oh, yeah. I right. have a guess because, you know, it has a sweeping music and he starts learning about the people in this town and how it's going to affect them. Yeah. I have a guess. And Does he maybe, learn something about he himself? Fall. He might learn something about himself. Maybe yeah. he Wait, falls in a love. Hollywood, yeah. Hollywood filmmaking, yeah. a political statement. He came to find... He you came, get out. He came to find some money. He found something else instead. <laughs> <laughs> but what he found was himself. <laughs> Cue the Peter Gabriel song. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's good. We need to. It, it, it's good. Yeah, lights. we're trying to keep it. We're trying to keep it a little light. Yeah. It's kind of. It's kind of a heavy subject. Well, let's. <laughs> if, kind. Yeah, a little bit. Let's. Let's talk about the benefits. Okay. Like, what, what's the purpose? So, we, we're. This is natural gas. What are our? I mean, let's. Let's talk about this in the context of our energy options. Um, what are we looking at here? Well, I mean, that's the big. The, I mean, that's really what we're talking about. I guess when we talk about fracking, we're talking about energy and. We use a lot of energy in this country. Um, we're always trying to find ways to generate more. And and this happened to be, the, the sort of convergence of this technology happened to be a way that we could unlock some more energy. And it seems like we always view that as, uh, oh, my God, that's crazy. Let's do it right now. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, that's a big part of this conversation is is the energy that we stand to gain from from all this gas and oil locked in these spots that we could not get at them before. And it's, all, and it's also juxtaposed with our sociopolitical issues overseas where we want to try and establish energy independence because we're concerned about things going on in the Middle East and our involvements there. So this seems like a key. This is a, a ticket, a way for us to get out of that situation because if we can get enough energy here, we don't have to deal with those, those crazy little countries over there. Right? I mean, Chris, I think you, you put it 
really really nicely a bit earlier how it's really this kind of he's got a double edged sword. On one hand, you know, it's great that this is right here. You know, that this is you know, it's you know, if it's like the ultimate kind of you know, like shopping local. Like like it's local it's here, we don't have to deal with all of those political issues, all those issues. But also because it's here, that means it's here. We can't put all you know, we can't go and kind of push all the concerns away as we could if this was out in you know oil fields in the Middle East. So so, so we have to face it. And you know, and you know, like you said it just is really kind of personal that it's in it really is literally in people's backyards. Mm-hmm. Which which makes it so much more of this kind of compelling kind of personal narrative. And even if it was out somewhere far away in the plains, we're talking about freaking like Longmont here, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating. Right. Well, Commerce City actually. Uh, there was fracking in Commerce City not too long ago. That came up in the paper. I wouldn't be surprised if that actually improves Commerce City to actually have some improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So terrible. We've discovered the fracking liquid actually cleans a lot of the city <laughs> in a way that we had not anticipated. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Commerce City listeners. Sorry, Commerce City. Yeah, yeah it's to really our, not our fair. Our three listeners in Commerce City, we're sorry. Well, I, I grew up under, I mean, literally underneath a coal plant that still exists. It's one of the last in Colorado, the Comanche plant. You, you grew up. If it, you look, if you're coming into Pueblo, the closer you get to my, it, the, the stacks just stand yeah, right yeah. over they're, they're my house. I mean, it's what, two miles away, I think, yeah. from, and I grew up on farmland. Uh, you know, you grew up in a Bruce Springsteen song. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It's exact. Yeah, it's called Pueblo, New Jersey, Colorado. Um, but yeah, there's it, the the environmental consequence of the coal plant on the city have been devastating. Pueblo has thirty percent higher uh, mercury uh, rates in the water. The air quality is really terrible. Um, of course it can't, you know, despite all the studies, we still can't say it's because of that coal plant exclusively that this is happening. There's lots of other industry there too, but I mean, you really can't, it's, it's not like it's hidden away. It's very, very, you know, distinct. There's always flumes coming out of this, of the stacks over there. Um, but so what, uh, that, that takes me to what are the environmental concerns? Uh, What are they mostly having to deal with? Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's it's uh, so it's a cocktail like we were talking about of of uh, sand, water, and chemicals. We're talking about benzene in some cases. We're talking about diesel fuel, um, and and it's being put into the ground. So, so just think about it. I mean, that's sort of how you ever want to reconcile that. That's that's what's happening. Um, and the the science behind it is still, I think, catching up. We've got a lot of good studies, but. You know, I, I think that's also something that's that's hard to be conclusive about. Um, but but that's that's sort of where we're at. There's there's chemicals in the ground, and where does it? Once you put those sort of ten thousand feet below the surface, where do they end up? Um, is it showing up in drinking water? There's lots of discussion about is this methane naturally occurring in the ground already? Are we just unlocking that? Um, you, you get into this sort of like continuous loop of of science and and how we sort of apply that to what's going on. Um, How, so in in the package, you also have some great um, anecdotes from from actual people who have been impacted by fracking in, I mean, in their their backyards or on their property because of mineral rights leasing. Um, Can you give us a couple of the more... uh, uh, just the more surprising ones. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting stories for me that 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 I came across in, in doing some of this research along with Julie was that 
the the whole idea of a of a split estate, and we see we sort of saw this out on the Western Slope a few years ago, and and one of the you know one of the couples that we interviewed for this uh, for this package had talked about this. They they had purchased uh, a ranch out on the Western Slope, and they owned the surface rights to the land, but they did not own the mineral rights. Um, and it turns out uh, someone had leased those mineral rights to uh, to an oil company. And and they were – so there was a lot of back and forth, but they had to provide reasonable access to this company to come on to their land and access those minerals. Um, I mean, that was kind of shocking to me to learn that that's how that's set up. Um, yeah, it seems like you can't do anything. It seems like – I mean, you know, I mean, how as you said, like you wrote about this couple that – tried to fight it and lost because literally, you know, they had to provide this access, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, you know, and they tried to negotiate, say, Hey, you know, move his way from our barn, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at some point the company said, you know what? We don't have to negotiate anymore. You know, this, you know, we have leased this. We, you know, we have a legal right to get at this. So we're just going to move forward now. And I don't think we have a good history in this country of sort of small people fighting big companies in legal ways. It just seems like they're, in the end, they didn't have the tools to to fight it the way that they wanted to, and so they they moved. They they sold the land, and it was purchased by somebody that was working for the oil company, and and now they live on the front range. And they've now, been there for like for like twenty five years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's just that's heartbreaking. I mean, of the stories you told, not to say the other stories of people's concerns about the environmental toxins or whatnot. That I'm not saying that's that's not valid, but that was a story of you know, a direct, really powerful just detriment to someone's life. I mean, these people I mean, yeah. packed up and left. Yeah. They, they, I mean, that's a big decision to make for their, you know, in their lives they, for being there for that long. Um, that's what it came to. They, they, they went somewhere else. So what should, so, I mean, my question was, I mean, you know, I live in Denver, so I'm not really worried about this, but let's say people are thinking about buying houses in some of these areas, as you point out on the map, like what do they have to look into to, to see if it's possible that the, that the land or the home that they're looking to buy might not be susceptible to this to this type of intrusion. I mean, you you should you should ask about split estates. You should ask about whether you own the mineral rights to this land. Again, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue in you know someone's home in Congress Park. I don't think there's going to be drilling in their backyard. Maybe who knows? But um, that doesn't seem as likely. But you know, Fort Lupton was another place, another town that we looked at for this. If, if you're buying land in Greeley, um, that's something you should look at. Do you, are you purchasing the mineral rights to that land as well as the surface rights? I mean, Boulder, it's happening all over Boulder County, too. Mm-hmm. So um, there's, you know, it's not really like it's it's at, totally outside of the urban areas. And like we said, you know, Commerce City, which it's it's there's some plans to potentially beautify. You sure. Know, I just read that in the post this week. I don't remember exactly what it's but a Belmar style type of thing for Commerce City. Oh, yeah. A river walk. Yeah. That's what they do to, to places like that in Pueblo. So let's take a little break here, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about fracking and get into some of the the even more controversial details. Um, we're going to listen to some local music first from Mike Clark and the Sweet Sounds, and we will be right back. Sun. Netflix, make them all heartbeat, show you seven stars. 
the Denver Diatribe. That was Summer Girls by Mike Clark and the Sweet Sounds, who will play the Deer Pile on February 1st. And this episode of the Denver Diatribe is brought to you by Illegal Pete's, and Ron's got some announcements from Pete's for us. Yeah, I'm going to do some plugs for for Pete. Uh, So they have this new thing called, uh, well, it's an old thing that they're bringing back called Spelling Beer. It's a spelling bee plus drinking, ladies and gentlemen. How magical is that? Once you advance past the second round of this spelling bee, uh, every time from that point on that you advance, you get a free beer. How fucking cool is that? It's amazing. Uh, they're, they're starting a new thing called the Greater Than Social Club, uh, where uh, local comedian Andrew Orvidal uh, is going to be hosting uh, an evening at Lanny's Clock Tower Cabaret. Uh, where they'll have uh, musical events and comedians and things like that going on. So on the... Oh, I'm sorry. So Spelling Beer, the first one is on January 31st at the DU, Illegal Pete's. And then Greater Than Social Club, uh, the first time that'll be happening is at February 6th uh, at Lanny's Clock Tower Cabaret. And then we also wanted to just give a quick shout-out to uh, Adam Caton-Holland, who is going to be on Conan O'Brien on January 29th. That is a big... Deal. And you can read about Adam Cain Holland <laughs> and his growl- his growlix uh, colleagues in the next issue of Fifty Two Eighty Magazine. Who wrote that story? I Joel? don't remember, but I heard he's an amazing writer and very sexy. I hear, <laughs> I hear, baby ate his brain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me no brain now. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Good, good little plug for yourself. That's pretty sweet. All right. Sorry, go All on. Right, let's, let's, uh, let's get back to fracking. Let's get back to fracking and, and wrap it up. So we're going to, in this segment, post some questions to our guest here. Uh, who wants to go first? Ron, Joel, one of you. Josh does. Josh here. Yeah, Josh, we're going oh, to yeah. pass the microphone over to Josh Who's real quick. Really He's been engineering, but he has. So how, do you, how are you I care deeply to... about this because I've only been the one NFL game, and it was the Monday Night Football Broncos game, and my brother took me, and he's a fracker, and he took me on fracking money. <laughs> He's from Pittsburgh. He fracks in western Pennsylvania. So I'm, I'm biased. I just have to say that. I've benefited from fracking personally many times over. But um, So I texted my brother, and I'm like, give me some pros. What are the pros of – and he says money. Right? right. So that's it. And then, and then after that, it's all questions, and that's what we're kind of coming up with is questions that we don't know how to answer. But he points to gravity, right, as a logical explanation about why fracking is – I've inconsequential. Heard of, I've heard of that. That's like creationism, So, for instance, right? we mentioned earlier that the fracking is happening at 10,000 feet below the surface. Below the surface of the earth, yes. Right. Way down there. And so here in Colorado, we get the majority of our water from the surface in reservoirs, rain, runoff from the mountains, yada, yada. Correct. People that do have wells, the wells are between 80 and 120 feet. So the deepest well that we're getting water from, the deepest we're getting water from is 120 feet. If we're putting these chemicals at 10,000 feet, how do we imagine that they threw, you know, because necessarily they're in rock areas, that, or that's why we're cracking, that we imagine that it's going to seep 10,000 feet. And anybody that's been hiking and hikes 10,000 feet in a day, you know, 
I mean, it's possible, but that's kind of part so of the logic. So it's, a, so, so, there, so it's a question that we don't know the answer to. And I, right. what we were talking about before is that I think, isn't it, uh, isn't it a question that we can't afford not to know the answer to? Um, you, you know, water is such a valuable resource in this state. And isn't that something that we should be able to definitively answer? We, we haven't done the work to, to track that fluid once we put it into the ground where it actually ends up. Um, there's been some work, but but nothing conclusive. You on can that. put radiated so, water down there and then just keep testing, ten thousand feet yeah. above it. Right, we should do that. Yeah, that that sounds. <laughs> that, that, it's that's how they do it. That yeah. is one of the ways that they test. They right. they find it out. And we do have radiated water here anyway. Just our regular drinking water. Sure, has all sorts of <laughs> all sorts of interesting heavy minerals in it. Anyway, uh, my my question was related to, um, what I'm going to pose as a myth. Uh, the the myth of the the giant oil company versus the little the little man um, from from what I've heard from uh, my friends that are in the oil and gas company and oil and gas business uh, from the people I've spoken to this this idea of this giant corporate monster coming in and kicking people around is not it in your research did you see that being very accurate uh, because what I've heard is that really the oil and gas company here in Colorado the oil and gas industry is a collective of small businesses. These are small business owners. They have their few. They have their few wells, and then they they sell to the larger corporation. But they themselves are not the large corporation that's going after these individuals. Uh, did you did you see that? Did you ex- uh, come across a lot of these smaller businesses? I mean, I guess in the in the sense of of sort of the the idea of the little guy being kicked around, it's almost uh, I don't know. It's almost irrelevant because if they're you know, if they're being kicked around in a way, like we were talking about the the story of the people that had to leave their land earlier, if the, if they were handled in a way that that wasn't satisfying to them, and they their cho- their only choice was to leave, I, I don't know. Does it does it matter if it's a small business or a big business or right. a really really giant business? I mean, th- just the way that we handle that relationship seems to be the most important part. And whether it's a small business that's handling it or a giant corporation, I think that's what mattered. In the case of that story, that's what really mattered to those people how they were treated. Not by whether it was by a small business or a large business or a Walmart or a. Um. The the big change for me happens in terms of who I want to succeed. The giant mm-hmm. faceless corporation, fuck them. I don't I don't want them to do well. I don't care about them. But if it's except if it's Walmart and it's in Boulder. Well, okay, <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> so maybe exactly. you're willing Boulder. to put up with a little bit more if it's a if it's a small if, local. If, company if I know or, if I know. Actual, real Colorado citizens who are starting out their own businesses are are profiting from this and doing well and succeeding. Then I'm, a, it, you know, it, it puts a face to what's going on and the individuals that are actually doing. They're they're actually fracking. Uh, like Josh has the the brother who is fracking. It's it's a real person that's doing this. It's not some. It's big, not Matt Damon. It, it's not Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. <laughs> I should say specifically what my brother does. He goes to. Um, he's a representative for. He buys. He buys rights. He buys mineral. He's the rights. Matt Damon. Yeah, and so he he holds town hall meetings, and he basically sits at home with a massive plot of you know he goes to like the the um, county county correct and sees who owns what land and then he goes and he offers them money and they're farmers usually and they're in western Pennsylvania and Ohio and farming isn't going well. And he'll, he'll go and say, I'll give you $250,000, and I'm not going to step foot on your property again. You know, we're going to be doing it over there, but I'm gonna, I can buy it from you. And, and the people that don't buy it, they take the $250,000 and they put it into an escrow. So if anybody ever wants it, like, 
you know, if it's if it's handed down to the next generation, the next generation's like wants that money, they can go get it. Which to me doesn't sound like it's poor treatment. Really. I mean, to me, that sounds like if I was a farmer and they came and said $250,000 and we're not going to set foot on your property and this is going to happen 10,000 feet below, hell yeah. You know? Yeah, but, right. So but, I don't know. But so my brother's a good guy. That's my point of the story. <laughs> my brother's a good guy. He Matt, sounds Matt Damon. awesome. He's Matt Damon. He's, he's Matt Damon. <laughs> and he's dead sexy. McDreamy. McDreamy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I was just curious about that uh, mm-hmm. because you know the the folks that I know they're they're really they're middle class individuals they're they are natural gas farmers. Uh, if you if you gave them the term farmer, people would think of them in a lot different light than they do right now. We farm underground, you farm on top of the ground. Well, okay, it goes back to also the the split, uh, you know, rights of the property too. Right. I mean, obviously, right. you can't you know if, if you've got mineral rights if you don't have mineral rights here, you can't do the two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. They're just going to come in and do it anyway. So, okay, so Joel, do you have any yeah, I questions? Yeah, I'll just briefly want to go back to uh, the, uh, the point about uh, water that you made, Chris. As we know, just water is this other huge looming issue in the state, immensely complicated, where they're already trying to figure out exactly how much water we need in the decades moving forward, both in the western slope and here, and how to, you know, which, you know, how much to take from western slope, bring it over to the front range, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, the fracking industry adds this whole new complicated variable that they don't, and I think if you talk to most water experts, they say yes, and then there's fracking. And we don't know exactly how this will impact our already really sketchy um, just equations about how we're going to handle this. And uh, so the question is, how do you put value on it? How do you put value on, um, you know, um, what we can take out of the ground now through fracking and the value of our future water supply. I mean, I mean, how, and it's in some ways kind of comparing apples and oranges, but I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you, you don't, <laughs> there are, there are, there are certainly you made, smarter you people than I trying to answer that question. And, and I think it's, I think it's an important one to answer. And certainly it seems like the value of water as you, as you sort of pose that question would be incredibly high, but, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's certainly one of the, many different facets of this issue that that we have to take into account and that we should try and answer as best we can. So clearly listeners what we're what we're headed toward right now and what I think we we've showed with this in this episode is that uh we're just at the uh, the beginning of this we really are trying there's a, a lot of questions that are still uh left unanswered 5280 did a fabulous job of putting together an introductory um, discourse for us, but Chris, when, to wrap this up entirely, uh, I asked you if you could put together uh, top three for us and, and it, to send everybody off, and, and you uh, gave us a few storylines for listeners to follow over the coming years as this fracking battle, uh, no doubt, becomes even more contentious. Um, in fact, today, the Oil and Gas Commission in Colorado, is, as we're doing this, is meeting to talk about uh, buffer regulations, which have been Really, you know, they thought they would have them finished by now, but no, no chance. So can you give us a, a, your top yeah. three? So, so just three things that I'm sort of following um, big picture as I, as I watch to see how this all plays out. One is what happens with some of the legal uh, discussions going on in Colorado right now over who's going to have the control to regulate this. Can, can towns regulate this? Do they have the right to say, no, you can't drill in my town? Or is the state going to win the control of that question, the, the the state has sort of already said to Longmont, "We think we have, uh, we have the right to regulate this drilling." So, so who wins that that sort of legal battle? I think will be interesting. 
Um, New York State is a storyline that I'm following as it relates to fracking. They they have sort of handled this in a different way. Four years ago, about four years ago, they put a temporary moratorium on drilling. They sort of hit the pause button, and they said to their state environmental agency, look into this, see what's going on, give us a study, and then once we know what you guys know, we'll make a decision. seems very logical. Um, that study is supposed to come out soon, early this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how New York State handles that environmental study and sort of the implications of do we, do we ban drilling completely. There's a, big, uh, there's a big play there, the Marcellus Shale in New York. Um, Lots of lots of oil, lots of gas. So, uh, what happens in New York? I think is an interesting one. And then, what happens with the? So, um, I guess it was 2011. The state started requiring companies to disclose the chemicals that they're using in in these fracking procedures. And a lot of that data has gone to this website, Frack Focus. And as we've started to collect it, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with all of that data. Does someone go in and look at it? Do we take a closer look at what chemicals are actually being used? Um, that's an incredibly valuable resource, but I think we have to use it in some productive way. So um, once we start to develop a nice sample size of data on that website, I think it would be interesting to see how people um, sort of figure out what it all means. Thank you, Chris, for doing that. Is there a URL? Is it like 5280.com backslash fracking? Do you have a URL for um, this package? I don't know what the specific URL is, but, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, let's get into love and hate. Who wants to start? Joel? Okay. I have a hate this week. Yeah, I'm hating on the news that uh, the Prodigal Son Initiative, um, this nonprofit um, run by Terrence Roberts in Northeast Park Hill, might be shutting its doors. Uh, Terrence Roberts was a former member of the Bloods. He was on their podcast uh, a few months ago. Yes, he was. And um, and he's done amazing work in a part of town that literally no one else is paying attention to. Um, You know, this youth anti-gang initiative oh my gosh the windows are opening and closing here <laughs> it's um, wendy folks and um you know any up spearhead uh, uh the rehabilitation of the holly shopping center which now is a basketball court and this giant new five million dollar boys and girls club is going in but all of a sudden his organization doesn't have any funding so unless he gets funding in the next month basically his organization will shut down and this is someone who's won all these massive awards in Denver. You may have to go find, like, a normal job instead. So I hate on that. That is very important. Is uh, it that city pulling the funding? No, it's just, you know, as a nonprofit, he's been working so hard to help build these basketball courts and whatnot that he hasn't had time to fundraise. Yeah. He, so. got, into, he got into the curse, yes. the nonprofit curse. So that's too bad. It's too bad. Is he, is he, do you know if he's planning on doing, like, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or anything like that? I don't that know. Keep I don't know. But I did write a blog about it for Westward, which is out, I think, now. So you can go find more information on westward.com. Okay. okay. We'll put that on the site, too. Uh, Chris, did you bring a love or hate for us today? I did. I brought a love. Uh, I'm going to love soccer and its presence in Colorado. Um, just announced, I guess, maybe a few days ago now, uh, the Dick Sporting Goods Park will be hosting a World Cup qualifying match for the U.S. national team um, at the end of March. So they'll be playing Costa Rica out at Dick Sporting Goods Park. And I'm a soccer fan. Uh, I think it's great for this area to have a game like that. It's kind of a big deal. Um, the U.S. national team is on their way to qualifying for the World Cup in 2014 in Brazil. Um, and those are big games for them. So it's cool to have one here. Where do you go? Where, do, do you go somewhere to watch? Or do you have, do you have I, like... I hope to go to the stadium for that one. Oh, okay. But, but we'll I mean, in general, whenever you're watching soccer, do you have a, a place in town where you like to go? Uh, like three lions or I don't GB fish have and a, chips. I don't have I don't a spit, but but yeah, three lions is good. The British bulldog is always excellent for soccer. Oh, that's um, true. I think that's the hard dog. to beat. 
Yeah. All Ron, right. are you going to go have lunch there? I should. At that the would field be fun. with your beard. I could. Eat some soccer Yeah, players. I know, right. right I didn't realize I'll that this all, came, some soccer this all came full circle Let me know when this happens, beard. Yeah. and we'll come back. Hopefully, I'll wind up on a plane with one of them. We thought it uh, would be Walmart. Over the Andes. Yeah. <laughs> eat them. I'll crash into a Costa Rican volcano and then eat them. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to love on what I've, I've deemed the Mayor Hancock. Uh, he, so, Mayor, I've, I loved on this before. The Mayor Hancock is doing this thing as, as mayor where he's like, he goes around and he tries new things. It's Mayor Hancock, try something new. That's, that's, that's what this is. It's a series. And the next thing he's going to be doing is guest bartending at the Denver Press Club on February 21st. So if you want to go have Mayor Hancock pour you a drink, it seems like he's February 21st. It, there should be like some type of like Discovery brewed. Channel show about Mary he Hancock. He needs his own reality <laughs> show. Thing. He's going to ride a giraffe next it's, week. Like, it's, like, is... it's like that show with Shaq. Whenever Shaq was like trying all the different sports, it's exactly like that. Only he's like brewing beer. He's knitting. He's done all this great he's stuff. Fracking. He's going to start fracking <laughs> in the backyard. He's going to get a hole. It's fracking Commerce I'm, City. Normally, the snarky side of me wants to make fun of it and insult it. Frankly, I think it's awesome. I love it. I love that he's trying different stuff. So it's good. And then I want to hate on the fact that The Onion, uh, its last issue in Colorado will be January 31st. Uh, And then it is no more. Denver Post has decided to not renew. uh, So it will cease to exist in print form uh, in Colorado come next week. Mm -hmm. Boo. All right. I'm going to – wait, Josh, do you have something? You feel really – yeah, um, I have a love and a hate. I want to love on the uh, Sacred Heart Catholic Church steeple on North Larimer. It's kind of by my house. And there just aren't enough steeples anymore. Like, when anybody builds a building, they just forget about the steeple. And I like steeples. For, for whatever steeple. they, Yeah, for whatever they represent, I guess. But aesthetically, they're pleasing to me. And, and I also, this is typical, but I want to hate on the parking meters, but not for the reasons that most people do. The the buttons, there's no depression. You know, it's like a solid-state button. And that means that they break sometimes. And more often, it seems. And, and if they would have just, like, gone with an older model where there's actually something you depress, I think that, that w- they wouldn't break as much. So I'm not impressed by them, and they're frustrating. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to give some love to, um, and I have to, big disclaimer here, my husband works for this company, but I'm giving some love to Eldora Mountain Resort, which just celebrated its 50th um, anniversary. And I was up there last night, and the reason that I'm loving on this thing that's so close to me and provides for me is because the ski season this year is just so, so sad. And it's (laughs) it's not even, you know... And it's really, I, I feel really, uh, I, I just, the, the, small com- the small ski resorts, Monarch, Wolf Creek, yeah. uh, Eldora, you know, it's not just about the business being down. It's about the communities that really have been created around these resorts and the people who live there. And, and in Ned, there, there are so many, you know, we all make fun of Ned, hippie, oh, hippie Ned, haha, but great people, wonderful people, and their way of life is really, like, you know, it's, it's been, impacted. yeah, hugely, and it's, so if if you uh, if you can ski decently, uh, you know there's some, yeah it's a, some grass patches every now and again. Yeah, don't worry about that. That's fine. You know, it's fine. But the, look, this isn't just happening at Eldora. It's think happening of, think everywhere. Think of it as an obstacle. Exactly. It's, it's just an obstacle. Right. And it instead makes of it more exciting, instead of dodging rocks at Vale, maybe to go dodge some some grassy knolls. So it's more like a mogul. It's, small is what you're it's like a yeah. mogul, yeah. Yeah. a grassroots mogul. Think, just yeah. to pretend that Thank that you. grassy yes. patch is a flag, and you're doing <laughs> slalom, you'll be fine. 
Yeah. And also this weekend, I'm just going to say a, a real quick plug. Um, they are doing Upslope will be there on Sunday, Oscar Blues on Saturday. Uh, they do lots of beer sampling. And uh, Saturday when Oscar Blues is there, they're going to be making the hops and hef- heifers burgers. So nice. it's fun to go up and, and even if you don't ski, go have some beer. Um, okay. Are we, did I, did everybody that's go? It, we got it. All right. So that's all the love and hate we have for this week. If you'd like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-9355. Our theme music is by TJ Miller from his extended play EP and our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. For more information about Denver Diatribe or any of our guests, check out our website, denverdiatribe.com or search for Denver Diatribe on Twitter or Facebook. I'm Vanessa Martinez. On behalf of my co-hosts, Ron Doyle, Josh Johnson, Joel Warner, and our guest, Chris Outcult, thanks for listening.